BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey folks, we're being bombarded by the fire hose of news today, so we're going to get right down to it in just a second. But before that, I have to tell you about our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. It's absolutely the best way to support this podcast. You can sign up for as little as $1 a month or as much as $15 a month. In fact, if you sign up at the $15 per month level, you're going to get all kinds of great stuff. Uh, You'll get our Tuesday and Thursday shows presented without commercials. Plus, you're also going to get two post-mortem mini-shows recorded after the credits run on our Tuesday and Thursday podcast. And you'll also get the subscription-only After Party podcast on Fridays with its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I'm Drake. Yes, Dad? Have you ever seen a commie drink a glass of water? Well, yeah, I, I can't say I have, Jack. <laughs> Vodka. That's what they drink, isn't it? Never water? Well, I, I believe that's what they drink, Jack, yes. On no account will a commie ever drink water, and not without good reason. Oh, uh, yes. Mandrake? Water is the source of all life. Seven-tenths of this Earth's surface is water. Why do you realize that... 70% of you is water? Oh, God. And as human beings, you and I need fresh, pure water to replenish our precious bodily fluids. Yes. Are you beginning to understand? Yes. <laughs> Mandrake. Mandrake, have you never wondered why I drink only distilled water or rainwater and only pure grain alcohol? Well, it, it, it did occur to me, Jack, yes. Have you ever heard of a thing called fluoridation? Fluoridation of water? Uh, yes, I, I have heard of that, Jack, yes. yes. Well, do you know what it is? No. No. Do you realize... Fluoridation is the most monstrously conceived and dangerous communist plot we have ever had to face. If you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. The Bob Seska Show. By the way, the president is way worse than that. Way worse. And... (laughs) 
Laura Ingram playing the part of Mandrake today. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, September 1, 2020, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hi, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, day 1,321 of the Trump crisis. 63 days until the 2020 presidential election. And oh, look, sitting right over there is my good friend, Buzz Burbank. Hello, Buzz. Hi. Hey, 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 hey. Hi, Bob. Hi, hi everybody. Hi. Uh, he's Bob. Yes. I'm Buzz. And we've both decided to boycott the playoffs. <laughs> I, you know, I did not realize the USO. Did you know they're still around? I didn't even know they were still around. No, I didn't know. And I certainly didn't realize they were still, the USO, still traveling the world, uh, doing shows to entertain American troops. That's right. And I understand later this week they'll be performing in Portland. <laughs> so, and I think you alluded to this. Uh, Last night, Uh (laughs) last night on Fox News, Trump said Joe Biden is being controlled by dark shadows. (laughs) I I didn't even know that show was still on TV. Uh, scientists scientists yeah. now say we have, let's just get through these, shall we? Yeah. Scientists now say we have little hope of flattening the coronavirus curve. They say at this point it's probably better to flatten Trump. That's good. I've got a, I've got an anvil over here I'd like to use one of these you know, days. The yeah. Cartoon style. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cosmopolitan Magazine is out with the hottest pickup lines of 2020. You know, they do these lists all the time. <laughs> yes. Cosmo has the uh, hottest pickup lines of 2020. Uh, they say the top pickup line this year. Uh-huh. I'd love to get you out of that mask. Let's go spread now. Everybody's learning Shit. now. Come on, get infected with me. Come on, get infected with me. <laughs> Early in the morning, we'll be heading out. The virus will be coming along. No. We're loading up our woody, not a mask in sight. We won't be staying healthy too long. Come on, Corona, baby. Wait and see. I'm going to ignore the CDC. Come on with me, baby. Let's head to the sea. We'll start a second wave. Wait and see. Let's go spreading now. Everybody's learning how. Come on, get infected with me. Come on, get infected with me. No, don't, don't get it. No, don't get infected with him. Don't. Just don't. Stop it. Be, be responsible grown-ups. Why don't you? I love it when Rocky Mountain Mike plays something that ties into the last joke. That's just great. Like yeah. Paul Schaefer. I, did, that was, you know what? That wasn't Rocky Mountain Mike. That was Scott Atlas who composed oh, that song. Oh, of course oh, it was. Always, well, yeah. We'll clean that up in editing. <laughs> no, that was Rocky Mountain Mike. But Scott Atlas is Trump's new advisor, right, on the coronavirus. He's the right, right. OAN Fox News weirdo who uh, has no medical degree whatsoever, no expertise in <laughs> epidemiology or anything along those lines. His claim to fame, his expertise is talking crazy shit on cable news. That's what he does. And Trump, oh, and of course the name's Scott Atlas, right out of central casting. It's just like central casting. He likes the names like Chad Wolf and oh, of course, Mad yeah. Dog Mattis. This sounds like a porn cast. It sounds like a porn cast that was invented by nine-year-olds. It's like I'm surprised one of them's not nicknamed Booger or something like that. <laughs> Holy shit, Buzz! Uh, wow, so many things happening all at once. The madness and is so worsening. Important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Important things. Yeah. Well, we've got a, a really fascinating and targeted way to get back at Trump and the Republicans for that atrocity that occurred last Thursday night. Let's bring this up because... 
It's well. uh, it's Buzz Burbank's Hatch Act Justice League. You have <laughs> discovered a way to report all of these fascist rat bastards well. for violating the Hatch Act en masse <laughs> last week. Please let us know your secret. What what did you discover? How can we report all of these people for just, I don't know, they just took a giant dump all over the Hatch Act. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Well, for instructions, which can be somewhat detailed, I would direct you to uh, my social media sites on Twitter and, and Facebook. And yes. Bob's, I know, retweeted some of the stuff as well. And I'll be happy to repost <laughs> it later. But right. it could be, it's too much to list here. Yeah. But let me say, as superheroes go, I'm really closer to the tick. <laughs> I'm really, I'm that kind of superhero. Okay. You know? All right? Yeah, okay, sure, I'll take that. This has been such an adventure. I saw a post on Twitter that explained how one can file mm-hmm. an official, formal complaint uh, about a perceived violation of the Hatch Act, which, you know, that was the whole Republican National Convention last yes. week, as you guys talked about on Thursday. Right. It was just a... Uh, a Hatch Act violation after violation, <laughs> and and uh, so I picked a couple, yeah, uh, and 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 because someone on Twitter had posted this information on how to contact the United States Office of Special Counsel's Hatch Act unit, yeah, uh, I got their email address, their phone number, their mailing address, and the official form uh, to fill out to file an official formal complaint wow and, and so i i did all that mm-hmm. uh, and and a lot of people were skeptical and i certainly certainly understand the skepticism i got a lot of ain't nothing gonna happen uh and and the first thing what i what i ultimately came to and, and so what i'll begin with here is it is better to do something than nothing. I think I even threw at one uh, skeptic, uh, you know, you, you may be right about the points that you raise. What action did you take today? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's the point of this, that it's better to do something than nothing. And uh, as far as ain't nothing going to happen, uh, this is actually uh, an independent body that Trump doesn't control that uh, investigates as a matter of routine uh, violations of the Hatch Act and actually prosecutes multiple cases of it every mm-hmm. year. Uh, there's only so far they can go. Admittedly, when they tried to go after Kellyanne Conway for being, as, as the office called it, a repeat offender, <laughs> yeah. uh, she laughed it off as blah, 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 let me know when the prison sentence starts. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Trump administration understandably flouts uh, these regulations, but it's very real. And as you've said so many times, Bob, it's important to get it on the record. Yeah. And, and I knew that this guy on Twitter, whose name I should probably credit, but have not bothered to write down, <laughs> uh, who provided this wonderful information, uh-huh. uh, that I've tried to share with other people. Yeah. And so, uh, people were skeptical and thought perhaps I was being naive and, and perhaps wasting my time. So I'd like to share with you a series of email communications okay. between me and the Office of Special Counsel. Wonderful. Uh, I, here's the tick part of it. Here's the part where <laughs> I'm I'm just a doofus. I'm, I'm just a doofus because the first thing I did was not read all of the instructions. <laughs> and, and so I took just the email address mm-hmm. for the Hatch Act unit of the OSC, and I wrote them a little note. 
and and the note said uh, the, the subject is multiple Hatch Act violations. I say I would like to join in calling for prosecution of the Hatch Act violations committed this week at the White House, primarily by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Ivanka Trump. Uh-huh. Pompeo participated in the campaign event while on an official diplomatic mission for the United States overseas. Ivanka Trump campaigned from the White House during an event improperly held on the people's property. Yes. Thank you for your quick and decisive action on this matter. Signed, Michael J. Elston. Oh, I'm so, I'm so, so disappointed that you didn't <laughs> sign it, uh, Laszlo Toth, yeah. American. <laughs> yeah, or just as laughable, Buzz Burbank. Uh, and they answered, yeah. they answered with what many interpret to be a form response, and perhaps it is. Okay, I'll even give you that. Here's the response I got to my email, the email I sent instead of filling out the official form. Uh, It says, thank you for your communication to OSC regarding your concerns about possible violations of the Hatch Act. Please be assured we take our mission seriously and are actively working on these issues. Wow. Hmm. Well, I think that's uh, some progress right there. That's interesting. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is... uh, I, I get the form. I get mm-hmm. the official form. I go, oh, I'm a doofus. Now I got to get the form. <laughs> so I get the form, and I make a, I, you know, drag the PDF out of my desktop, and then I, I, I fill it out, you know, and, and drag that PDF out on the desktop. And I prepare another email for OSC. And uh, because I am a doofus, I uh, included the blank yeah. The blank form. I uh, didn't fill anything out. Just to, you know, th- <laughs> shit. Th- thank you for your prompt and decisive action on this matter. I added as a note uh, to go with my empty PDF. <laughs> well, I'll come back to the response in a minute. And then okay. I got a third. I got a third email mm-hmm. from uh, what would really be the third email from uh, OSC's Hatch Act unit, and it says, and this is being revealed for the first time on your show today. Thank you for contacting the U.S. Office of Special Counsel's Hatch Act Unit. We have received your complaint and will open a file to address this matter. Wow. Holy shit. Hey, that's a big fucking deal right there, as uh, Joe Biden says. Sincerely, Eric Johnson, attorney, Hatch Act Unit, U.S. Office of Special Counsel, noticed... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> this mess- this, no, it's fine. No, it's all dramatic. <laughs> this, this message and any attachments may contain information that is sensitive, confidential, or legally privileged, blah, blah, blah. Nice. And, uh, and, then, and then I'll go back to the second email I got from them in responding to my sending of a blank form. <laughs> Listen to this. Okay. Thank you for contacting the U.S. Office of Special Counsel's Act. Yeah, you know, they all start like that, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but then it says, the PDF that you submitted appears blank on my screen. Wow. If you would like to file a complaint, please complete and return the attached form. Regards, Eric Johnson, attorney, Hatch Act Unit. So, Shit. now... What does that? That's that's it. That's all the reading I'm going to do. But what mm-hmm. does that? What does that email tell us? The the response to the blank form. It tells us they actually read the goddamn thing. Yes. It tells us that somebody is looking at this. It tells us that you were right that we can get it on the record. It tells us that it's always right to try to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. It tells us that it's always right to try, even if we don't think it's going anywhere. It means there's a process that will be there after Trump is gone. Yeah. To all my skeptical friends, I understand your skepticism. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, I do. Bob and I steep ourselves in this. 
this. Nobody understands it, I don't think, as quite as well as we do yeah. uh, because of what we do. And uh, bless your hearts, I understand why you're skeptical. Please don't be cynical because I fear you will only hurt yourself. It is better to do something than to do nothing. And yeah. that's what I have to bring today. Right. Well, as we used to say in Radio Buzz, you can't win if you don't play. I mean, that's just right. it. I mean, you can sit here and not do anything and go, well, doing something is not going to do any good. But doing nothing isn't going to do any good either. You at least have to do something in order to get even the most nominal reaction. And even that is kind of something you never know, especially when it comes to the federal bureaucracy. Who's mm-hmm. going to get these emails? Who's right. going to pay attention to your correspondence? What desk it's going to land on? Because there are people in the federal government who it's their job to look at things like this, to kind of examine and and open cases if necessary, because their job is doing the people's work. It's something that Republicans forget about the federal government all the time, that the federal government is there to represent us. In fact, it is composed of us. That's the whole point of having a uh, representative democracy, a republic, where we have a government that's Literally of the people, right? So this is all positive, all good, all things that we should absolutely be doing because you don't know what is going to accumulate around the snowball effect as it tumbles down the hill. Maybe it bashes into a tree and breaks apart and nothing happens. But maybe it makes it all the way to someone who can really make some decisions and really open an investigation. You know what it tells me? It tells me that my good friend uh, Eric Johnson Esquire... uh, (laughs) cares he cares yeah he he seemed eager to receive this information and responded i thought in a very encouraging way and the notion of tweeting i guess valid the notion of putting together online polls also valid these are all things that we can do to contribute in some way to the overall conversation but going directly to the people who make these kind of decisions that is proactive that is the embodiment of what i would consider to be effective activism that is the way to talk yeah you can't can't just just, we can't just talk we can't just tweet you know like bob said you can do good things on twitter you can do good things on social media that's right but you can't shouldn't limit yourself to just that there are things you can do i i I won't i don't want to brag i don't want to get into them but i took at least four personal actions Mm -hmm. over this past weekend to try to save democracy this email thing being one of them yeah Uh, uh, i got tired of just talking Mm -hmm. i decided it was time to do something yeah and 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 a lot of the responses i got and again it didn't didn't hurt my feelings i didn't take it personally and yet at the same time it broke my heart to see uh, memes scoffing at this uh eye rolling sure jan you know those kinds of those kinds of responses to it you know and you see those all the time Uh, it it hurt it, it broke it didn't hurt my feelings but it broke my heart to think that people had become so cynical that that they're no longer able to hear encouraging news uh, and no longer able to do anything but complain yeah. and and to express skepticism you can do more than just be skeptical uh, and skepticism, by the way, is healthy. Cynicism is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I hope each of us examines where we are on the 
cynicism versus skepticism scale. Well, this is the kind of thing that if Donald Trump is reelected, could go away because Donald Trump is actively trying to tear down people like Eric Johnson Esquire at the yeah. Office of Special Counsel because they are doing things that operate under the checks and balances mandates of the Constitution and so on. Donald Trump doesn't like checks and balances. He doesn't like people who are disloyal to him. He doesn't like people who are calling him on his bullshit and his crimes. So he is trying to systematically eliminate these branches of the federal government. I mean, he has all but gutted the State Department, for God's sake. We know that the Justice Department is essentially his personal police force along with the Department of Homeland Security. So if he gets reelected, there are myriad horrible things that are going to collapse onto our heads if that happens. And one of them is no more Eric Johnson Esquire, no more Office of Special Counsel calling them on their bullshit uh, violations of the law. I mean, that atrocity that occurred last week, especially the scenes at the White House, especially the scenes at the, uh, what was it, the Mellon Auditorium, Andrew W. Mellon Auditorium that was also a federal building. These are all massive violations on top of being completely unethical, completely uh, beyond the pale in terms of disrespecting the people's house. I mean, I said on the yep. Friday after party, Donald Trump and all of his friends bukkakied the White House. I mean, that is, it's a horrible <laughs> pornographic way to Thanks. put it, but it's Thanks kind of that picture. <laughs> it's kind of that way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, at least it didn't change the color. <laughs> Yes. I've, I'm now sorry. I'm debating whether see, I should bleep see, that, but you know. See what you've started? You may have to cut this whole thing out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Oh, man. But I, obviously, we're talking about a president now who has completely lost touch with the reality. I mean, we played that clip from Dr. Strangelove at the top of the show. And, yeah. And that's where he is. He's in this, I, in this OAN conspiracy theory uh, rabbit hole, and there's no coming back from that. This is the next phase in the Trump madness, don't you think? I, I do, and and I, I hope we continue to talk about that. If I may, I'd like to back-reference that, yeah. that tape. That was the, the, the pitch that you heard there was the same pitch given I'm I'm very old let's just get to it and and so like in the early 1960s mm-hmm. uh, the, the late 50s 1960s when I was a little kid uh the John Birch Society was very prominent in a number of parts of the country rural and red states particularly like yeah. Kansas mm-hmm. where I grew up and uh we did not have fluoride in our city drinking water thanks to political pressure from the John Birch Society who gave exactly that same pitch you heard in the opening tape of today's show. I recognized that speech word for (laughs) word uh, because that's what they were saying back then. I will have you know that as a result of not having fluoride in my childhood water, uh, in my adulthood, dentists have asked me, did you grow up in Appalachia? (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding. Now I have a... You 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 can't tell, you can't tell by looking at my mouth that it's a disaster area. Now. But but I've never been able to tell. But it was because of those bastards at the John Birch Society yeah. who had these wacky beliefs, who uh, prevented me, this innocent Kansas child, from getting fluoride and uh, faced a lifetime of dental misery and bills. Wow. And, and so. Uh, I have very strong feelings about this sort of gaslighting uh, that I know you want to talk about in the present day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, conversely, Buzz, I grew up in an area in northern Virginia where we had fluoridation in the water, 
And uh, I have now two fillings in my mouth. You know when I got those fillings? When I was 48 years old. I went 48 years without a single goddamn cavity. Thanks to that's the when you, that's, but, when, that's when you were doing the meth, right? <laughs> that's right. That's when I started meth. I decided, hey, yes. 48 years old, time to start with the heavy drugs. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the, the consequence is, is I've, I've had a pretty healthy uh, set of teeth in my mouth until right. recently, of course. But uh, beyond that, that's also explaining why I'm a, a member of the liberal intelligentsia, because I've been brainwashed, obviously, by the existence of fluoride, <laughs> making me a corporatist sure. shill and whatever other horrible conspiracy ah, titles that ah, I've been referred to as. See, I can disprove that because yeah. I was raised without the fluoride and, and I'm, a, I'm a liberal shill. So <laughs> there right. you go. Well, here's Trump from uh, last night on the Laura Ingram show on Fox News Channel. Oh, yes. So glad that this was broadcast because I want people to hear this kind of shit. I don't want this to be buried. And I, I, I especially want the Fox News audience to hear the dumb fuckery, the quackery that's coming out of the president's mouth these days. This was full blown OAN conspiracy theory territory. Or he was just making shit up, talking about how there are shady characters operating behind the scenes of the Joe Biden campaign, and then somehow making this, like crowbarring that story into a story about an airplane loaded with people in dark uniforms and, you know, the agitators and the looters all taking this airplane flight with someone who Donald Trump knows, probably a guy named Jim. It's always a guy named Jim who refers to (laughs) Donald Trump as sir. This is this is the kind of bullshit insanity that we're all dealing with. And remember, uh, his Pe- imaginary friend, yeah, Peter Sellers in that clip from Strange Love, just yes. just laughing so uncomfortably at everything that's going on, at the madness yes. that's happening around him. That was me listening to this tape for the first time. And by the way, I will warn you: this is not Tiny Trump. This is not high pitch Biff. We need to hear this. This is regular Trump. Listen to this. We're all grown-ups. I think we can deal with it. Who, who do you they think is pulling me. Biden's strings? Uh, is it former Obama People officials? that you've never heard of. People that are in the dark shadows. People dark that shadows. Are, oh, What does that mean? That sounds like conspiracy theory. Dark shadows. No, what is people that? that you haven't heard of. They're, they're people that are on the streets. They're people that are controlling the streets. We had somebody get on a plane from a certain city this weekend. And in the plane, it was almost completely loaded with with thugs wearing these dark uniforms, black uniforms with gear and this and that. They're, oh. they're on a plane. Mm. Where's, where's this? Pretty, I'll tell you sometime, but I, I'll I, tell it's you under sometime. investigation yeah, right now. Bullshit. But they came from... But, a, yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's making it uh, up. That's why he can't tell anything. He can't give... I, I've heard that tape a couple of times, but this is the first time this thought occurred to me. Uh, this will be the video for which Sarah Cooper will win an Academy Award. <laughs> That's right. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see this one. That's going to be so great, but Good holy Lord. shit. So yeah, know, apparently there's a plane load of people in dark uniforms and equipment who mm-hmm. are not only headed out to loot and riot and all the rest of it in various American cities, but also they're working on the Biden campaign. That is yeah. 1,000% madness. And the, the first thought that I had is, how can all these thugs and looters fit on the airplane? What with all the chemtrail canisters in the airplane? <laughs> How saw, do they get them I all jammed in there like sardines or something, maybe? But. Exactly. And it is exactly that kind of uh, conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theory. On June 1st of this year, mm-hmm. uh, a right-wing militia group out of Idaho uh, first uh, proposed 
that uh, there were plane loads of people in black uniforms uh, being flown here to there into various places to create trouble, yeah. to cause trouble, uh, that they were Antifa. And over the course of the summer since June 1st, there have been a number of cases where right-wing groups have shown up to meet these uh, black uniformed people face to face, and there were no black uniformed people, yeah. so they felt a little foolish, or <laughs> I think more likely felt, "Aha! Uh, we chased them off, we scared them off." Oh yeah, yeah. We made them, we forced them to change their plans. That's why they didn't show up. So <laughs> hey, this has been going all summer. So where did Trump get this? He got it from Facebook three months ago. Yeah, two months ago. Right. Either that, or going back to your reference on uh, crystal meth earlier. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's entirely. Remember that HBO series? There was an HBO documentary series about people. I think it was in Newark, New Jersey, who were all meth addicts, and they all reported seeing shadow people. And really? So, yeah. And then of course they would tweak and take apart the VCR and the remote control and all that shit. But then they would also they, the reason they would take apart the VCR is because the shadow people were telling them to take apart the VCR. So yes. that's maybe that's what Donald Trump is seeing. Maybe the shadow people have finally caught up to Donald Trump after all that Adderall and uppers usage, all that uh, drug abuse that he's involved with. Maybe that's all. I don't know. Call me naive and it's okay. I've gotten used to it. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Trump has gotten to a point where his ignorance is catching up with him. Yeah. His, his lack of ideas is catching up with him. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he realizes that the country and his campaign are out of control, and he's flailing. He's just yeah. flailing at this point, and it is incredibly dangerous. We, you know, we try to laugh about things, but this is freaking scary. Yeah, I think what we're dealing with right now is very genuine Trump fatigue. I think there's a considerable portion of this country that are just so done with his shit. And I'm not talking about people like you and me and our audience. I'm talking about people who don't really follow politics that closely, right. but even though they don't follow politics that closely, they still vote, and they're they're still overly aware of Donald Trump's insane fucking presence. The divisiveness and the mm -hmm. uh, the criminality and the, the fascism is clearly all on display to normals. And I think that it's getting to the point where people are just sick and tired of having his giant pumpkin head in their living rooms 24-7, whether they follow politics or not. And I think that's having a, a very negative impact on his polls. I also think there's no real way for him to wiggle out of that. How does Donald Trump combat Trump fatigue? Does he step back no, and not appear publicly as often? It's impossible for him. He can't he can. do that. He can't. Yeah, he can. no. So he's kind of screwed, and he's putting himself in this position. Donald Trump always makes things worse for Donald Trump. Donald mm -hmm. Trump has overexposed Exposed himself. He doesn't realize that this isn't tabloid journalism. This isn't uh, John right. Barron, you know, duping uh, tabloid reporters in Manhattan or during the course of shooting The Apprentice. This you're, is the presidency. Yeah. You. By the way, you're onto something there. I read an article the other day that, that from early on in uh, Trump's presidency, he realized he didn't have the tabloids anymore and and saw Twitter as his new. Yes. Uh, so the fact that you mentioned that, uh, very perceptive on your part. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think this is all wrapped into Michael Schmidt's book, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, Donald Trump versus good, the good, United good. States. Lots of uh, shocking revelations in this. And, you no, know, I was kidding. I was noticing some people on Twitter. I just want to preface by saying this, and we got to take a break here in a second. But I was noticing people on Twitter going, "Well, where was Michael Schmidt reporting this when it happened?" Well, a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the reporting is done uh, 
during the course of preparing the book. It's not necessarily done contemporaneously when the story was actually happening. And I don't know what the circumstances uh, are behind Michael Schmidt's reporting, but I'm fairly certain that someone who is a marquee reporter at the New York Times was doing reporting as he was authoring the book. A couple of things about that. If yeah. you're a reporter for the Washington Post or the New York Times, uh, first, I'm sorry about the pay cut. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but secondly, uh, you... Don't sit on a story. If you've got a hot story, mm-hmm. you don't sit on it. And no, go, I'm going to save this for my book. <laughs> uh, you, your job, your job is yeah. to put this, put this out. And as a matter of fact, the answer to this concern is he did report on many of these things. Mm-hmm. The new book does contain details that, as you indicated, Bob, uh, he's collected, uh, picked up along the way since. You can't, you can't. It's harder to go back and go. Uh, you remember that story I had about three weeks ago about, yeah, and well, there's this, and then you're done. That's all you had to say. You just want to, that one little thing, which may or may not be a big thing. Uh, the, the point is, as I've talked about this before with my weekly newscast versus the previous daily newscast, I've had time in a week to look at a bigger picture. And to see how, if at all, any of this ties together. And by the way, it usually does. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's there's a lot to be said but for the difference between a short-term perspective and a long-term perspective. But I can assure everybody that the vast majority of the revelations in Michael's book here, uh, he reported on contemporaneously yeah and you know there's some reasons to question some of the things that the new york times does but as far as their reporters go they have the same motivation as any reporter from any other newspaper and that is if you've got a scoop get that scoop out if you can verify it if you've got a couple of sources publish that motherfucker why because just as you said Who wants to be scooped on a story? Right. A lot of these sources have multiple outlets in the press that they often use. I mean, does Michael Schmidt want the Washington Post to come along and steal a story if he's sitting on it for two goddamn years? His job at the Times would be on the line if that were to happen. We all do it ourselves when we're dealing with social media. If we have a great idea for a tweet or a Facebook post or a meme or something like that, Crank it out as quickly as possible because you know for a fact that if you don't do it, someone else is. And if they get to it first, then you can't say anything because then it looks like you're copying them. So, yeah. As a a news guy who posts breaking news, I know I I like to sit on a story for as long as possible (laughs) before getting it out there. Okay, well, we got to get into this Michael Schmidt book here in just a second. But unfortunately, COVID-19 infection rates are exploding across the nation. We know it's common sense that everyone should wear a face mask. And finally, most states have put mask mandates in place. Face masks are still our best way to protect ourselves, our family, and our community. But what happens when the mask you thought you were buying is crappy? It's fraudulent or worthless. The FDA has provided a list of authorized respirator mask manufacturers, and finding those masks has been a challenge, and verifying their authenticity even harder. But right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized respirator masks with anti-fake authentication on every package so you know they work. These masks are tested by the NPPTL in the United States and provide greater than 95% filtration. Right now, these masks are in stock and shipped for free for my listeners when you add the code SEXYLIBERAL. Go to thenewdealshop.com and order your supply today. That's thenewdealshop.com. Get them and keep yourself, your family, and your community safe. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show.
I'm just staring at the ceiling So much noise in my head That I can't go back to sleep And I don't know what to do I don't know what to do Another day of work for another quarter dollar Two car payments and the house is underwater And I don't know what to do I don't know what to do Yeah, this is the uh, Bitter Elegance, Trapped in the American Dream from their Twisting the Fairy Tale album. They released this originally in uh, 2018 and then just reissued it uh, a couple of months ago. So that's why we're uh, doing a deep cut here from the Bitter Elegance, one of my faves here on the show, bobseska.com slash music. You know, I always know that it rocks if it blows out my headphones. I've got some <laughs> I've got some really expensive headphones on my head right now. They're supposed to be able to tolerate anything. But sometimes, man, I get one yeah. of these songs, it's just right into my the, right into the, my ears. The, I love it. The headphones can tolerate more than you can. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, you know, I like to comment on the music when when I've got something to say about it. I'll say two things about uh, that that cut. Uh one, it's cheeky. Yeah. And uh <laughs> And and two, uh, it's very '80s feeling, and I love that. Yes, a lot of the synth sounds, a lot of the electronic sounds uh, from the '80s. A lot of the processing is coming back, and I just love every bit of it. Another one that we always play here: Alex and Megan McDuffie. Uh, really, really good stuff too. <laughs> good thing. Good yeah, thing. yeah. Okay, so we got a lot of things to cover here on this Michael yes. Schmidt book: uh, Donald Trump versus the United States. Uh, and we're going to begin with the uh, Rod Rosenstein. Uh, revelations, and I'm not sure if that's from yeah. the book or from Schmidt's re- just his reporting actually, in the New York Times. His, his reporting, his report, okay. in both actually. But uh, gotcha. this is another example of something that's in the book that was also in the paper at the time. Right. So Rod Rosenstein concluded the FBI had not cleared the threshold needed to conduct a counterintelligence investigation into the president's ties to Russia. This answers so many goddamn questions. I've been wondering about this. We've all been yes. wondering about this. Rachel yes. Maddow, I know, has been wondering yes. about this. I asked Steve Bannon about this on the show a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, and everyone's going, I don't know. What happened to it? What happened to the counterintelligence investigation? Finally, we know. Finally, yes. we have some answers. It never got off the ground because because Rod Rosenstein said, Nope, you can't do this. You can't go this far afield of the mandate yeah. of the uh, special counsel's office uh, and the Robert Mueller I, investigation. I was a great defender of Robert Mueller. I know a lot of people, I'm not sure, I don't recall being one of them, a lot of people spoke uh, with uh, considerable respect for Rod Rosenstein. I, I'm, I'm disappointed that uh, Rosenstein was not more honest, uh, not not the honest person he was made out to be. Yeah. Uh, he, I, and perhaps on instructions from Trump uh, or from the Attorney General at the time, uh, he told Mueller not to handle the counterintelligence investigation to just stick to the criminal investigation. Uh, he told the FBI, don't sweat the counterintelligence information I've uh, investigation. I've turned that over to Mueller. So uh, each agency thought the other was handling it. And in fact, neither of them was thanks to Rod Rosenstein. This was never even pursued. And there was ample mouthwatering evidence of uh, counterintelligence wrongdoing. Yeah. That that was just never, this is a threat to the national security and we've done nothing about it for four years yep, now. Yep. This is a situation where Rosenstein, I believe, thought that 
Andy McCabe was going too far, that Andy McCabe was mourning the firing of James Comey and therefore seeking some sort of vengeance against Donald Trump, or at least that's one of uh, Rosenstein's excuses for this. Or was was he told to? I don't know. Well, and going back to Mueller, too, this was um, one of those things that we were all expecting to be part of the Mueller report. We all expected at least a paragraph on... Well, Donald Trump has these financial ties to Vladimir Putin, or Donald Trump is linked to this oligarch and that oligarch through by way of Konstantin Kalimnik and Paul Manafort. We were expecting some dots being connected in the Mueller report as far as Donald Trump being compromised. We were expecting compromat to be laid out. How is this a violation of national security? How is this a massive violation? violation of uh, the White House, the the secure facility of the White House with who knows how many documents getting just handed off to uh, Russian intelligence agents and so on through uh, people like Jared Kushner and so on. That's what I was looking for. That was one, I, I would say, the top shelf thing that I was expecting from the Mueller report, and it didn't happen. And so therefore, when you see the Mueller report come out and it's not there, it's just this reaction, it's just this music... And, you know, it felt like a letdown. And and now we learn that Mueller really had nothing to do with that. He was instructed by the acting attorney general, don't go there. This is something that is not part of your mandate. And I don't even know. I don't know what would have happened to Mueller if he had just said, oh, fuck you. I'm just going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Or or if he had been more clear in his testimony to Congress, yeah. afterward, more yeah. firm in his response to Bill Barr's fantasy assessment of the Mueller report. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in Mr. Mueller for not doing more, but I'm I'm angry uh, at, and betrayed by Rod Rosenstein yes. for uh, shutting this down. Uh, you know, he, supposedly, as you said, he was worried that it was a political vendetta. But the evidence, oh, my God, the evidence that they even just had at that point, the evidence the FBI had. Now, I have what I think is a really good question if, if for you, Bob, and, and anyone else who saw okay. uh, the Rachel Maddow show last night. Uh, we, we heard the description, as we have just outlined here, that the FBI thought Mueller was doing it, the counterintelligence investigation. Uh, Mueller thought the FBI was doing it. Neither was doing it. But it it has been reported that during the course of his investigation, if the uh, their investigation, if the Mueller team came across anything that was counterintelligence related, they continued to hand it off to the FBI. Uh, the FBI had been told, "Don't worry about it." But these memos or letters are coming in from the Mueller report of the FBI. Whatever happened to those? Jesus fucking Christ. In, yeah. And nobody's yeah. any, Rachel didn't even ask this question. Nobody to my knowledge, other than me right now has asked this question. Yeah. And it's a perfect question. It's a perfect, and we need answers to all of this because this is the most it, dire national security threat we face that Donald Trump is a leaking pile of shit. We don't know where it's going, who's getting it, what kind of material he's using that he's declassifying and using as bargaining chips with some of these dictators who he loves, who he wants the attention of and the accolades from. How is he exposed? How is he compromised? And Rod Rosenstein, who up until I would say, I don't know, shortly after he got fired by Trump and replaced, but uh, up until that point, I had some sympathy for that guy because he was in an impossible position. He has a maniac in the White House who had a, talk about anvils dangling over your head. I mean, Rod Rosenstein had an anvil dangling. I mean, he was enemy number one. He was like like Letitia James almost. Like Letitia James has has made herself a target by going directly at Donald Trump. Rod Rosenstein was doing a similar thing so was Robert Mueller 
Yeah. She has more cover than he did. He had even yeah. less cover than she has. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, so in that respect, yeah. I mean, he was under a tremendous amount of pressure. And so, therefore, I gave him a little bit of wiggle room. Like, okay, he's got to deal with both the truth and the fiction okay. and the you know the way out through Robert Mueller and also just the brick wall with Donald Trump. It's, it's just that when you learn something that's outrageous, you yes. do want to blame somebody. Yeah. And and I don't still don't like what Rosenstein did here. You explained it somewhat, but that doesn't make it right. We should still put a country, nation over our personal concerns. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh, although you know, again, there's that argument. Maybe they can do more good if they stay than if they go. Eh, it's a we'll never know. Here's the thing about this: uh, there's so much that we don't know yet, and and maybe won't know for a year or two no. yet. Uh, it's like being out of your house and you come back and and it's been burgled and you, you didn't see it happen. Yeah, uh, stuff has been stolen. Uh, a crime has been. Committed. It's gonna. It may take some time to investigate that crime and, and to get all the clues and to find out exactly what happened. Um, likewise, we're not going to be able to get to the truth until Trump is gone. Mm-hmm. So once he's gone, then we can really begin to investigate in earnest. And uh, it's, therefore, it's going to be a while. We will find out the crimes that have been committed. And uh, hopefully, as you've requested before, we'll take actions to make sure that they don't happen again. Yeah. But uh, it's going to take a while to find out, but we will find out. Well, make no mistake, I'm not defending Rod Rosenstein. He has now officially endangered American national security yes, by not yes. by, by yeah. cock-blocking Robert Mueller on this very, very crucial front. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that Adam Schiff and the House Intelligence Committee is looking at the counterintelligence details. They can't say anything because, of course, so much of it is classified and I don't think they have the power. I, I know they don't have the power to declassify any of that shit. So, we don't know. And we're not going to know, as you said, for quite a while. Hopefully this election goes well and we start to hear I mean I can't even imagine the document dump that is on the way once uh, hopefully fingers crossed the Biden people come in and they start to weed through all the computers and all the files to discover the madness that was inflicted upon the country was inflicted upon the White House in that period of time. My you know God. the naive. You know the naive me. I believe we will. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I my fingers are crossed. We've got some good poll numbers out this week. Uh, but I I understand people's concern and skepticism uh, that he's not going to leave office, that he's not going to see the election. I, I think you're right in those predictions, but I don't think he'll get away with those things. Uh, and and I'm seeing more and more evidence that that's really truly the case yeah uh it doesn't mean we have to be any less worried it doesn't mean that it's any less scary or dangerous that he threatens these things all of those things are true yeah but uh, um, we must not we just i'm tired of people being defeated and saying there's nothing we can do it's hopeless we're screwed this is the fixes in uh, no, it is. It's and I love the John Belushi tape from Animal House. <laughs> it's not over till we say it's over. That's right. And you know what? I agree with you too. There's so many things that are unknown right now. And I know Axios today put out a hair on fire article about how election night is going to show Donald Trump with a stupendous lead. And it's going to seem like Donald Trump is winning and we won't know that he hasn't won for days or weeks afterward. And so it's just like that one's got everybody uh, having heart palpitations all over Twitter right now. Here's why. And maybe this can help uh, assure our progressive friends uh, not to have a heart attack. 
Don't expect election results on election night, but don't panic if you don't get them. Yeah. All that means is that the mail-in and absentee ballots have not come in yet. I don't know how the TV networks are going to do this. Uh, the numbers they put on the board, precincts reported, meaningless. That'll be absolutely meaningless because yeah. the majority of people are voting by mail. What you're going to see, if you see a Trump win on election night, and maybe you won't, but if you do, uh, it will be because... Trump voters went to the polls in person mm. while Biden voters did the and it's going to take longer to count the Biden uh, ballots. Now, the, the real danger here, uh, it just everybody stay calm. But the danger is that on those early results on election night, uh, if Trump has a margin, he's going to claim victory and he, he won't let go of it until it's pried from his fingers. Yeah, we could very easily be screwed this time around the same way we got screwed in 2000 with networks reporting results, maybe not calling states, but reporting results that lead in a certain dramatic direction, but don't actually conclude giving Donald Trump enough space to get on TV and go, I'm declaring victory. Blah. Here's my shitty victory speech. By the way, I just want to say, if I see coverage on election night I don't like, I'm driving down to ABC News and letting the air out of David Muir's tires. <laughs> I've got an anvil. I've got an anvil for you. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't lift it. <laughs> well, speaking of polls, there was a morning consult poll out right now that is basically signaling across the board, uh, on top of some other polling too, of course, that, uh, that Donald Trump bounce was temporary and small, if it existed at all. So these oh. numbers are, are pretty solid for Joe Biden. He leads uh, Donald Trump 51 to 43 among likely voters. Again, that's the important measure following the RNC. Prior to the convention, Biden led Trump uh, 52 to 42. So basically a statistical glitch of about two points here or there between uh, uh, last week and this week. Trump's small post-RNC bump is gone. Joe Biden's yes. lead by eight Never. percentage points again. Uh, just as he did before the conventions, uh, 51-43, Biden is running five points ahead of where Hillary ran in 2020, which would be more than enough to win given how close it was in 2016. Arizona, Biden's up 52-42. Georgia, Biden is wow. up 49-46. Georgia! Uh, Michigan, Biden's up 42 to or 52 to 42. Uh, Wisconsin, Biden's up 52 to 43. Colorado is Biden 51-41. Texas, Trump is up by one point, one point, right. 48 to 47. You know what that means also? that Those numbers both in the 40s, quite a few undecideds in Texas. And that's good news for Joe Biden and it, the rest it of It is, and, and undecideds have leaned uh, consistently <clears throat> over the last couple of months toward Biden. Yeah. Here are the numbers I bring to the table. Uh, uh, Biden enjoyed a one-point bounce from uh, the Democratic convention. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Trump uh, lost a point. Here's here's what really was dramatic about <laughs> besides the rate besides the ratings gap. And I love pointing out, by the way, you know the DNC had three million more viewers than the RNC. Yes, uh, yes. It, isn't that so coincidental? Because that's the number of votes by which uh, Trump lost the popular vote. Makes me laugh. So that I love. I love that coincidence. I yes. think that's just great. Uh, but uh, the other thing that, that happened, the, the best thing to come out of the conventions so far uh, is that uh, Biden's popularity increased. He actually went from a negative popularity rating to a positive popularity rating, while Trump dropped to, Bob, you're going to love this number, 32%. 30, <laughs> fewer than one in three 
uh, give this president a favorable rating. Mm. That's got to count for something. You and yeah. I have always said when it gets down to a third of the population or less, it's over. It's yeah. just over. Right. This is all good news. This is all trending in the right direction. Watch the polls like you'd watch the stock market if you didn't have any money invested in it. <laughs> understand, right. understand that polls, regardless of your complaints and your beliefs, the facts are that polls are accurate. The other fact is they are, as I saw somebody describe it today, written in sand near the edge of the water, mm -hmm. which means they are a snapshot of one moment in time. Mm -hmm. uh, polls, uh, watch them. Uh, realize, by the way, you cited some state polls. Those have, uh, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned this, those have tended to be unreliable, uh, just as a national poll can uh, give a misleading indication of where an election's going. It's still fascinating to me to watch the numbers and to see the, the gaps and the disparities and to realize that, okay, well, that's just at the, the moment that this poll was taken and may not even be true today or tomorrow or the next day. Polls are real, but they are not votes. Yeah. And I think if we continue to think clearly and focus on the facts in a world where facts no longer matter, uh, we uh, will be okay. We, we that's how we keep from panicking on election night when it it may appear that Trump has won and he begins to claim that he has. Think about it this way: when you're on a trip in the car and you feel like you're making pretty good time, well, that's that's great for that point in the trip. You know, you're right. maybe only halfway, two thirds of the way there, or something like that. Oh, I'm making great time. A lot of things can happen in that last stretch. So but, right. so what you're measuring is the journey, not necessarily the end of the journey. Uh, right. Because, of course, the future is unwritten. So you never know right. what's going to happen tomorrow, yeah. much you're, less. You're, you're looking at a speedometer, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. It's a moment of time. It's a trend rather than what the outcome is going to be. It's not right. forecasting now, the outcome. It's just saying this is where the country is. This is where voters are on this day, September 1, 2020. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think if you if you're a smart, you know, it's just like with news. Yeah. You, you, I think people need to be smart consumers of news. I yeah. think they need to be smart consumers of polls. And so many people are coming from a place of, and I don't say this to be insulting, but they're coming from a place of ignorance. That is to say, they don't know how polls are conducted and how they work and how accurate they actually are. And many people have come to disbelieve them, just as many people have uh, come to disbelieve or distrust yeah. uh, various media outlets so I, I just case by case be a smart consumer don't make generalizations out of cynicism i also think people who respond to say for example presidential approval polls mm -hmm. are not necessarily reacting based on whether or not they personally approve i think a lot of people answer that poll question based on what they think the public is thinking in general about whether the president is having a good day or a good week that is like oh oh i well it's not about i approve this guy it's oh it seems like he's having a pretty good week i guess yeah yes i answer yes i approve <laughs> so yeah it's not, yeah. Oh, it's, it's not it's a literal much. measure of approval it's a measure more of you know the time well, in which the poll question was asked well, the question is very direct. Do you, you know, approve or disapprove of this president? Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, but, but you're right. It's like taking a vote in your school classroom. Uh -huh. uh, you, you, you see all the other kids raising their hands, so you raise your hand too. <laughs> exactly. There, there always exactly. is. There always is that yeah. uh, certain amount of that uh, effect. So 
you just have to understand these things and understand human nature as you look at these very scientific, very mathematically careful polls. Yes, exactly. Well, you know what? We have to take one last break here, but we have to get back to Michael Schmidt's book. There are more revelations yes. from this, oh, and yeah. they're shocking revelations. Back with mm-hmm. more show. Uh, by the way, notify the affiliates we might be running long. <laughs> back with more show after this. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Mike Elson. Love, I've lived everywhere, but it's running away. Love doesn't seem to care, so I find a new way. smile back at you I should known better you know I finally got to meet Mia Montenegro the singer here and this song is wow. called Falling Apart from her Somewhere in Between album yeah, one of my favorites here on the show I finally got to meet Mia at the uh, Sexy Liberal Virtual Tour Oh yeah, a week ago Saturday, and, and she popped up in one of my chat rooms after the show. I was like, "Oh my god!" I totally fanboyed out on her. It's me, <laughs> Montenegro. Oh my god, sign my autograph. Oh wait, you can't sign my autograph. Well, you, you can follow me on whatever the hell this platform is. But uh, yeah, I just totally geeked out of Mia Montenegro. Such a great. You were singer. like, yeah. You were like Chris Farley with Sting in the elevator. You remember that time? You remember when you <laughs> sang that song? It's called "Falling Apart." We, that was great. We, uh, we, were, you, were you really falling apart? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Mia Montenegro, uh, one of the best. Na- and Bob, we can't do a show uh, without breaking news, and there are a couple of items here uh, oh, that I know God. you're not going to like. Uh, the oh, first one, shit. first one comes from Facebook. Uh, Facebook wants us to know that Russia is meddling again, uh, that fake online personas and a supposed left-wing news outlet are at the center of a foil operation to meddle in U.S. elections. So mm. uh, they're saying that they've stopped it, but that even some, and everybody needs to be aware of this, even some left-wing sites and posts and ads and memes uh, are being sponsored by Russia because Russia wants to uh, increase the tension Fuck. in the United States. So just be aware of that, too. Uh, and then Facebook. the other breaking... The other breaking news I dedicate to the cynics uh, because uh, this time they, they this time I can't really argue with them. Uh, in a temporary win for Trump, uh, an appeals court rules that the Manhattan prosecutor may not enforce the subpoena for his tax records at this time. At this time, what the hell? Does Just that right mean? now, Tem- temporarily, temporary. I don't. I haven't read the details yet. 
I'll do that when we finish doing the show. Jesus Christ. He is the luckiest motherfucker on the face of the goddamn planet, Donald Trump. Yeah. He I, buys time. I, yeah. He buys time. Yeah. You know, that was one of the most amazing, if I could just jump right to it, one of the most amazing revelations in uh, uh, Michael's book from mm-hmm. the New York Times. Uh, last name, I'm sorry, it escapes me again. Schmidt, Michael Schmidt. Uh, one of the best re- revelations was that uh, Trump, according to Michael Schmidt's book, at one point wanted to settle with Mueller. He wanted to. He thought it was oh, like yeah. a loss. He thought it was like a lawsuit that he could somehow maybe work out a cash settlement oh and God. make this thing go away. Because all he's ever done is handle lawsuits that way by settling. <laughs> and he thought he could get out of the Russia investigation by doing the same thing. Uh, this book is amazing. Oh my God! You know what? This is a a good cause. Uh, for maybe having some kind of school that presidential candidates need to go to to learn about how to be the fucking president. You know what? We have to learn how to drive a car. We have to learn how to do all this shit in order to get licensed to do various things in this country. How is it that the president of the United States can just walk into the Oval Office not knowing a goddamn thing about how government works? And that's fine. You just go ahead. We, we said it was okay, so go on. No, that's not that's not enough. I mean, there's so you're saying you're saying man, woman, person, camera, not a high enough bar. Uh, then <laughs> that's right, passing the cognitive test is right. not high enough uh, on the uh, scale to uh, to get in there. Okay, but uh, I mean, along those lines, for example, Trump wanted to, and this is all from Michael Schmidt's book. I call him Schmitty, mm-hmm. by the way. It's very easy to understand. <laughs> right? like, oh yeah, yeah Schmitty's got a new book out. Uh, Trump wanted to personally prosecute James Comey and Hillary Clinton. He wanted uh-huh. to do it himself. He didn't. Right. He didn't want to wait for the Department of Justice or anyone else to investigate them. He wanted to personally investigate them, like Gareth Keenan from The Office or something like that. He wanted to do it. Like, can you imagine Donald Trump conducting an investigation when he doesn't want to read anything that's longer than nine (laughs) bullet points or whatever the Uh story is? He doesn't like to read. So he's going to do this investigation based on what he finds out from OAN and Fox News Channel. That's basically what he's talking about. He he has conflated the jobs of president and county sheriff. (laughs) That's right. I mean, there, but there's a, a McGahn memo to prove that uh-huh. he actually did this. So Donald Trump goes around saying, oh, this is fake news. It's not fake news. Michael Schmidt has the fucking memo of that Don McGahn wrote up to tell Donald Trump, no, you can't do this it's illegal and it's uh, politically treacherous to do this. If you do this, the entire Department of Justice is going to quit en masse. You're going to get screwed by doing this. And he put it all on paper with his signature on it so he can explain how government works to the president of the United States who thought that he could personally conduct an investigation. So fucking stupid. We've held uh, McGahn in um, balanced esteem, I guess I would say, uh, for resigning, uh, refusing to carry out certain uh, bizarre Trump orders and and for stopping the crazy ideas that he could while he was in the White House. Uh, At the same time, uh, Schmidt reveals in his book, McGahn had accepted the White House job on the condition that he essentially serve as a committee of one to determine whom Trump would nominate to the federal bench, including district appeals and Supreme Court vacancies. So McGahn got a little something out of this, too. Yeah. He got to be the one guy, the one person in the federal government who would decide who our judges would be at every federal level. So the White House did zero real vetting on all right. of these judicial candidates, all of these people that Mitch McConnell has pushed through the Senate and gotten approved and just stacked the courts with. Hardly he, any of them have been vetted by Don. Mag- I mean, of all people, Don McGahn, McGahn single-handedly 
Yeah, McGann to- brought us. He brought us both Gorsuch and and. Uh, uh, Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh, yes. Yeah, both of them. (laughs) Yes, and by the way, I love when MSNBC was reporting on this last night. I think it was Rachel or Chris Hayes. The clip of Kavanaugh that they were using side-by-side with Gorsuch. Gorsuch looked totally normal, just, you know, casually speaking in the microphone. Brett Kavanaugh looked like he was taking a painful dump or something like that. Just had that, remember he was, that testimony where he was screaming and crying? Yes, (laughs) They used that clip. Lips pursed, face red. It, it is. It's everyone's favorite picture of him. I so think. unfair! Yeah. It's unfair! Yeah. It's just so compl- so whiny. It's I, like I, I was saying Ed, when those two pictures came up, I said, "You know what? I don't. I don't hate." I don't hate Gorsuch. I hate Kavanaugh. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? Speaking of Don McGahn, too, uh, it says Uh here in the book that it was only after Trump granted a woman clemency at Kim Kardashian's request that Mm -hmm. McGahn knew he truly had to leave the White House. (laughs) The Kim Kardashian story was the last straw. The Kardashian straw, as they call it. Scientists (laughs) refer to it. As the Kardashian, the Kardashian straw. straw. Yes. And that's how I'm going to refer to today's show, as the Kardashian <laughs> straw. Thank you. Um, yes, and on top of that, maybe this explains so much that Donald yeah. Trump may have had a cerebral event. That's how it's described yeah. in the book. It doesn't say mini-stroke, and in fact, Michael Schmidt was prompt in responding to Donald Trump's fake news tweet about this today, You know, where Donald Trump described himself as having a mini-stroke. Michael Schmidt jumped in and said, I never said you had a mini stroke. <laughs> it was so perfect. It was like, oh yeah, he tricked Donald Trump. He did the rabbit season, duck season thing and got <laughs> got Donald Trump to admit to having a mini stroke on Twitter. Holy uh, shit. And when he never said that, there was a cerebral event and that they had Mike Pence on standby to potentially take the oath of office if the president was administered general anesthesia at Walter Reed. Right. Remember, this This is the right. answer to the mysterious Walter Reed visit. What was it, last December? Where- as as some people refer to it, the November stroke, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, this, this is uh, shocking and fascinating, and this is, uh, you know, uh, this is a case where Schmidt reported uh, the strange trip to the hospital, it's only been since then that he learned some of these details that he's now included in the book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wow, it's just, it's very shocking to know that it all came that close to uh, at least temporarily being President Pence. And, and you know, if you watch Trump walk, you see him swing out that right leg. Yeah. Uh, his, you know, he had to use his left hand to push his right hand up to his mouth to drink the water. Mm-hmm. There's something going on there, and certainly... Uh, he's making less sense than ever. Yeah, I enjoyed the clip of Donald Trump walking up the steps of his stupid fucking rally the other day, which he should never have held in the first place. I mean, Tulsa wasn't less than enough when Herman Cain fucking died because of Trump's vanity. But regardless, he's walking up the steps to go to the dais, right, where his his podium is. And he does that weird, awkward, almost falling motion where his arms Mm -hmm. go flailing up and he gets that winced look on his face which is just so beautiful to look at. <laughs> Not I'll in the literal you. sense, but I love seeing Donald Trump in pain or being embarrassed because it's so entertaining to me. See, if I were an angry Trump, then uh, my first order after that would be uh, make sure I have some damn handrails on these things from now on no exception yeah. well he went uh, off later he's this place is like an ice skating rink this whole stage uh-huh. just oh, like the same are. excuse like at west point <laughs> so feeble so feeble but um yeah i think schmidt also reported too that mitch mcconnell 
fell asleep during yes. a classified briefing about the Russian attack in 2016. Fell asleep. And this was when uh, Obama was president and yes. uh, Congress was being reefed. Uh, and the Republicans who controlled the Senate decided that nothing should be done, and that, that decision was led by Mitch McConnell, who slept through the freaking meeting. And is anybody surprised that McConnell was asleep during that meeting? Yeah, and then I think it was after that meeting when Mitch McConnell said, you know what, I'm not going along with you on this. I'm not going to back mm-hmm. you. Because Barack Obama wanted to... through it. Yeah, Barack Obama wanted to do a bipartisan announcement of the Russian attack, where it's himself, it's... Uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, I forget who was House Speaker at the time. Maybe it was was it Paul Ryan who was House Speaker. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah. And, and so it could have been the three of them, along with Pelosi and, and Schumer, and uh, maybe even Adam Schiff from the intelligence community, appearing on stage in front of a bunch of cameras and a microphone and saying, "Here's what we know, and we're all acknowledging this, irrespective oh. of party." Mitch McConnell said, "No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not." Yeah, yeah. No. He said, "Not, not, not before an election. No, we're not doing this." Yeah. And uh, uh, but, but it, and he knew that the fix was in. I think as well. And so uh, he pulled into his shell and took a nap. <laughs> That's right. Oh, there he is. There's Mitch McConnell. Hi, Mitch. Snoring. He's snoring. He's snoring, yes. Yeah, it's a bad dream right here. He is. That's right. Ah, there it was. <laughs> Having a nice dream about humping a crock. Okay. Uh, one last... You know what? We got to talk about this one last thing before we wrap up. I know we're way late today, but... Uh, that's my fault, but... Uh, oh, that's... Oh, I'm, I'm kind of proud. Just I'm so kind of proud of it. Yeah, it's really the, it's the fault of the fire hose of news, Buzz <laughs> Uh So Donald Trump defended that Kenosha gunman, whose name I'm hesitant yes. to even say publicly. I know, I know. But he was asked about this guy yesterday, and Donald Trump, the President of the United States, has officially... Mm-hmm defended a mass shooter guy went in with a fucking loaded semi-automatic rifle and started gunning people down and donald trump i'm surprised donald trump hasn't uh, pardoned him or something yet because it could happen i imagine that's still on the way here was donald trump defending this a-hole from uh, Kenosha. We're looking at all of it uh, that was an interesting situation you saw the same tape as i saw and uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like. And he fell. And then they very violently attacked him. Aww. And it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. But uh, I-, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed. But it's under, it's under investigation. <sighs> Let's all have a little pity party for the mass shooter. He just gave the shooter a self. He just he just perverted the case, the court case. Yeah. By by the president of the United States says it was self defense. And, and on top of that, he just gave a huge excuse to anyone else who wants to do the same goddamn yes. thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's he's into that. He wants he loves violence. You and I have talked about this for years, and he wants to continue right up to the election in the hopes that it will convince uh, some frightened voters uh, that uh, he's the guy who can protect them, even though he's the guy. Who, who made it happen. Yeah, he's he's provided a, a self-defense argument for this guy. Yeah. And uh, it, it just falsified. It, it failed to mention that the guy had just killed two people and wounded another. Unfucking believable Donald Trump's the sort of guy who would go around and, and like, burn ants with a magnifying glass and think it's the funniest goddamn thing he's ever seen in his life. That That is his mental age. As an adult. He does that as an adult. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, would be, wouldn't be surprised. He's a sadist, that is for sure. And we're all suffering from it now. I can't believe I'm adding this as a postscript. We surpassed six million COVID cases this yeah. week. Six fucking million. A make America great again? Bullshit. We're not even great adjacent. We're the furthest thing from great. We have the most as a cumulative number. We have the most cases of any country in the fucking world. And that nearly, is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nearly a quarter of the cases with only 4% of the population. Inexcusable. Absolutely. Uh, I wrote a big piece about it for Salon. It's linked from yep. all of my social media. Please go read it. It, it imagines yep. what Trump could have done to successfully pull us out of this, including simply copying previous presidents. And we all know that Donald Trump likes to copy other people. He likes to steal other people's ideas, claim them as his own. Why do you need to do this here? There's plenty of examples to go with. World War II, for example. 9-11, for example. The Great Recession, for example. There are so many examples. And he ignored all of them. Doesn't matter, man. Uh, and yet here we are. Six million cases, 182, 183,000 dead Americans. Yeah. I mean, everybody. Th- there have been 12,000 deaths, the same number of deaths from H1N1, just in the past two weeks. Two weeks ago to today, 12,000 deaths that didn't need to happen. We've stopped counting. We've literally yeah. stopped counting because there have been so many. Uh, everybody, we love you. Please stay safe. Yes. This. Meanwhile, Buzz Burbank news and comment coming up this Thursday. It's the best hour plus news of news that you're going to get all damn week. BuzzBurbank.com, also RealmNetwork.com, everywhere you get your podcasts. Plus, Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Make sure you go and watch the Sexy Liberal virtual tour through SexyLiberal.com. You can see it in reruns. You can see it on demand. Go buy it now. It's funny as hell. How <laughs> Sparks, John Fugelsang, Frangela, Stephanie Miller. Oh, my God. So entertaining. Take care, folks. See you over there. Bye-bye. <laughs>